Welcome everybody to the Rock Video Rental. I am Brandon. With me as always is Caleb. And this week we'll be talking about Uncle Buck. Um, that'll be starting off our John Hughes month. But before we get to that, we always like to cover what we've we been watching and Caleb, what have you been watching? Crap, dude, I totally forgot to review <laughs> everything that I'd watched. Um what? Yeah, go figure. Because uh, it's been a long one, man. Family um, Guy. Family Guy. I finished Family Guy. I got caught up. Um, so went through all 20, what, 20, 21 seasons. Um, and yeah, it was a lot. So it was funny uh, being able to review some things. But then also it was uh, annoying to see some of the lows of the show so um i think i got most of it though so i i mean it's been a while because basically the whole month of october like we haven't been talking about what we watched right. and it's actually gonna be kind of sad how short my list is gonna be to a certain extent but it is what it is um i watched uh ryan reynolds free guy which was uh really good and I also watched, man, what was the show that I watched? Dude, this is going to sound so pathetic that for a month, I only have like a couple things to mention. <laughs> um, but though one of them that I watched was uh, Once Upon, Upon a Time in Hollywood, a Quentin Tarantino's film. Yeah. Have you seen that? Um, No, I have not. Okay. Definitely a different Quentin Tarantino film. That's and weird. yeah, I was, you know, cause usually it's just like, Oh, all this craziness and things like that. And, um, and then some like crazy off the wall dialogue. And so you're, I'm watching this movie and like the first, like 80% of this movie to me was super weird. Like the dialogue, you know, it was there, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. And then um, there was no, no real, like, uh, I don't know, some of his action, whatever there, there was the first 80% of the movie was, just did not feel like Quentin Tarantino. But then the end of the movie came and like all these different pieces came together. And I was like, Oh, there it is. <laughs> And it totally smacks you in the face at the end of the movie. So uh, it it's odd. You definitely have to like kind of plow through it, which makes it sound bad or boring. But it it was good. Um, but yeah, it's it's a different Quentin uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. So, uh, crap. There was so oh, Squid Game. Yep. I don't think because I think that was in October that I watched that. Um, so I watched the whole thing of Squid Game, so that was pretty good. Uh, quick recommendation off of that. I think we've talked about it before, but if you like Squid Game, then uh, anybody who likes Squid Game, you should probably watch Battle Royale because I actually learned that the guy who wrote Squid Game um, is a fan of Battle Royale because you can see some similarities there. So, Rock. Anyways, that's most of it. If I remember anything, I'll bring it up next week. So yeah. uh, what do you got? I got a super abbreviated list because um, I watched a lot of movies in October. <laughs> I 
like a lot and a lot of them weren't even really mentioning worth mention okay uh you know aside from all the halloween movies that we reviewed last month so everybody knows i watch those um i watch wayne's world one and two which are both great and i wish they would have made a third one i mean i guess they probably still could um watch ghostbusters all the way through for like the first time in about 10 years so that that was a good time uh i watched night of the creeps which is one we should probably talk about sometime just because it's it's kind of a fun movie uh, I watched Ernest Scared Stupid for probably like the first time in 25 years. <laughs> I used to watch that with a fair amount as a kid around Halloween because it was on TV a lot. Um, And you know what? Like comparing that to Ernest Goes to Camp. <coughs> Ernest Scared Stupid is way better. Okay. Way better. The comedy is just, it's not as annoying, I guess. Remember, we had, both had problems with those stupid cooks in mm-hmm. Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah. There's nothing really like that. There's two similar characters, but they're not like as annoying and cheesy. And like the creature effects for the, you know, the troll in Ernest Scared Stupid are amazing. And it's done by the Kyoto brothers who are kind of famous in um, the horror genre. Like, they did killer clowns from outer space. Okay. Uh, other than those, I watched Scarface. Um, National Lampoon's Vacation. And then I was telling you about it the other day. I found this YouTube channel. It was actually a recommendation like from a podcast I was listening to called Vagrant Holiday. Mm-hmm. Where this dude like goes to different countries, and like he tries to spend the least amount of money that he can, and he basically just kind of goes as like a hobo, and he, you know, so he doesn't pay to sleep anywhere. Like I watched one where he went to Japan, he went to Tokyo, and he just walked around and tried to find a park. He found like a park, and then like found this area that was a little bit hidden, and he just kind of like slept behind a wall. Mm-hmm. Like just right in the middle of Tokyo, he has like a a waterproof sleeping bag. It's basically all he brings with them is like a canteen, a sleeping bag, a backpack, like very little bit of food, and then like a jacket and like a change of clothes. And he just like goes to these different countries, and at the end, like he tells like how much money he spent at the end of it. Including like, uh, including there? including getting there, and like he did this. There's one of them where he did this trip to Europe, where he went to like Paris, and um, he went to a couple places in Germany. He went to like Florence and Rome and Venice, and at the end, it said total amount spent, including flights, was nine hundred and thirty-one dollars. Dang! Like, so does he not eat? He eats, but he like goes to convenience stores, and a lot of times he just eats like a baguette and hummus. Hmm. 
like he says he he's like people tell me he's like super like dry and like straight to the point and really sarcastic he's like people always tell me like oh did you when you were here did you try like the such and such food that we're famous for he's like i don't give a crap about all that he's like to me like it's like i could i couldn't care less about different kinds of food and like trying what's around here um and he's like and i don't care about tourist crap he's like food i just i eat to whatever it can get me by and then i just go and walk around and find things and he's like and i don't like to do the touristy things i like to like try to find locals to talk to <laughs> nice but yeah sometimes like people he'll meet people and become friends with them and then he like he couch surfs oh nice yeah or he'll find like an abandoned building and sleep in it oh dude so sketchy man yeah there's one where he like just found he walked into a hotel because it was like super rainy it was when he was in uh portugal and somebody stole like all the stuff because he goes and hides it somewhere and somebody like found it and stole it oh jeez. and he it was rainy and like cold so he's like i'm not gonna survive out here like sleeping in the woods so he like went into a hotel he went and found some blankets like off of a maid's cart and he slept under like the stairs in a stairwell uh-huh. like one night and then like one guy that was working there found him the second night he tried to stay and like he had to kick him out but he gave him a couple blankets to go <laughs> oh nice yeah but yeah it's it's really interesting and he'll do some things that are like illegal but not like hurting anybody like he'll go different places where you're not supposed to go yeah yeah it's it's pretty interesting the kind of stuff he does he basically just walks around with a gopro so you never see his face hmm i think he's got like six videos or something they're usually they're all like over a half hour long though is he um is he doing this now or i think the last one he posted was like eight months ago or something or five months ago okay yeah and that was he went to mexico was the last one i think he posted interesting but yeah definitely something to check out if you guys are interested in any of that kind of stuff but it's just kind of fascinating plus he's kind of funny too but now that we got all that out of the way let's get into our main topic Where do you live? The city. Do you have a house? Apartment. Want to rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? I'm your dad's brother, all right. Buck Russell had always been the black sheep of the family. I'm stunned that I'm related to you. Until one night. Buck, we have a problem with the kids. We're stuck for somebody to watch them. Oh, please, not that. Can we trust him? My brother, for God's sake. I won't let him get into that Satan stuff or any of the new chicks. I'll leave that for me. Wow. (laughs) I'm kidding, huh? Now, he's making them breakfast. Cigar? No, thanks. Making them lunch. (laughs) And making them crazy. He's irresistible. I want to ask you why I'm so attracted to you. I I wouldn't even guess at that. 
He's unbelievable. I'm Anita Horgar. I'm Buck Melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. He's Would you just John Candy. Give me, give me, give me. As Uncle Buck. What does he like to drink? I've been leaving the, the toilet seats up. Is that what the blue water is? It's not good for him, huh? Uncle Buck, the new comedy from John wow. Hughes. You have much more hair on your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid, that's my job. Coming soon to a theater near you. So the movie of the week is the 1989 family comedy Uncle Buck. It is directed by John Hughes. It was also written by John Hughes. Uh, the plot for this one is a bachelor and all-around slob Buck babysits his brother's rebellious teenage daughter and her cute younger brother and sister. Uh, the cast for this one is John Candy is Buck Russell, Macaulay Culkin in an early role for him as Miles, uh, Jean Louisa Kelly as Tia, Amy Madigan as Shanice, Elaine Bromka as Cindy, and Garrett Brown as Bob. Um, I'm not sure how many times you've seen this movie, but I've seen it quite a bit. <laughs> uh, well, I think I may have mentioned to you, I think it may have been the first time I've seen it all the way through. Yeah. Because most of the times I saw it was on TV, you know, around the holidays. So, I, I mean, I've probably seen it different times of like at least three times, I want to say. And then this mm -hmm. fourth time was the all the way through. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that was on TV a lot, so you kind of catch it here and there, so I, I can understand that. Um, I mentioned last week that we have done a lot of John Candy movies. Yeah. F a fair amount, at least. Maybe not, I wouldn't say a lot, but a fair amount. Um, And I would say this is one of his better ones. I mean, he had did his fair share of movies that were only watchable because he was in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, he did some pretty awesome movies like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, you know, this is one that, you know, it's a good movie even before he is on to be Uncle Buck, but he brings so much to that role and to this movie in general. Um, I guess, you know, a little bit of the story, so like... This family in the suburbs of Chicago, of course, because it's a John Hughes movie. <laughs> um, the mother's father has a heart attack, and they have to go to Indianapolis to be with the family. Um, so they have to have someone come watch the kids. So everybody seems to be out of town, and Bob, the dad, he's keeps saying, like, yeah, how about Buck, my brother? And, you know, Buck's kind of a screw-up and a slob, and they're like, oh, God. The mom's like, I don't. You know, that's last resort. So they cover all their bases. No one's free to come. So they give Buck a call and he shows up. And, you know, typical John Candy, he's just, he was a loud, boisterous, fun-loving guy. Maybe not like the most responsible person. And he kind of tries to avoid work as much as possible. <laughs> so now he's kind of, you know, fish out of water dealing with these kids that, he hasn't seen in a long time because we kind of get the idea of, you know, Bob and Buck's relationship isn't really there as much as it may have been in the past. And it's due to Bob's wife not being a big fan of Buck. Mm -hmm. um, 
and just, you know, Buck kind of going nowhere in life and Bob kind of, you know, having wife and kids and all that kind of stuff, being more responsible and more successful than Buck. Uh, you know, and then they also have like the oldest daughter, Tia, is kind of in that age where she's just kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> and her relationship is strained with her mother, to say the least. Uh, you know, they kind of bicker back and forth with each other like teenage girls can do with their moms. And uh, so her and Buck, they clash heads quite a bit. And it's kind of funny to see the back and forth between those two because she tries to give him crap and he's not going to put up with it because he's like, you know, you know, he's not her dad and he's just not the kind of guy that's going to deal with that. But he's not really mean. He kind of just goes out of his way to embarrass her in front of people. <laughs> uh, and he's, he's got his own methods of things like with her boyfriend, who's kind of a sketchy dude who's named bug. Uh, and, you know, Buck knows the kind of guy that Bug is because I think he kind of sees some of himself in this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is not the kind of guy you want to be with. He's one of those guys that's only got one thing on his mind. And, you know, of course, she's oblivious to it because she's a teenage girl. Uh, so we get to see some interactions with Bug and, and Buck that are pretty hilarious. So he's basically become... Like the stay-at-home dad slash mom, both. Uh, and of course, the two younger kids love him. And, oh yeah, you know, big funny guy who's just you know big softy, big kid himself, basically. Uh, this this is really one of those movies that doesn't try to accomplish too much. It's kind of a collection of smaller, memorable scenes. And then yeah. wraps it up nicely at the end. Mm-hmm. And of and course, it, like it ends appropriately with like a touching mother daughter moment. <laughs> yeah, where they, she kind of, you know, Tia kind of sees the error of her ways and um, has a moment with her mom at the end. And, and you know, it's all thanks to Buck. So now she feels closer to him too. And, um, you know, because Buck was right about her boyfriend. And you know he kind of got got even with it, but we can get into that when we talk to talk about scenes. So you know, this being a movie that's mostly memorable scenes, we can kind of touch on that. Uh, I'll say the ones that really stand out to me are you know when they call Buck the first time, and you know he grabs the phone and it's like, hey, it's Bob, and he's like, who? He's like, Bob, Bob, who? He's like, it's your brother. Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and then like, he has to like, clear his throat, and he's like making these terrible noises. <laughs> he's like, hacks up a lung, basically. Uh, that kind of reminded me of planes, trains, and automobiles, where he has to clear his sinuses. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, John Candy was so good at being the likable everyman, but also... Like the times where he, he can just be extremely irritating. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we kind of see the stuff of that here. Like he mastered it in playing strains and automobiles. Yeah. Uh, and a, a, another scene that really stands out to me is when it's Miles's birthday and Buck makes breakfast and he makes like these enormous pancakes. 
mm-hmm. that are probably like four feet across. <laughs> and you know, they come down, they're all excited. He's like, You should have saw the toast. I couldn't even get it through the door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that always cracks me up. And Miles is also on Miles's birthday where the, the clown shows up and he's just drunk. And he's like, How you, he's like, You're drunk. He's like, How are you going to show up to a kid's birthday like this? And you know, he's trying to, the clown's like giving him crap and swearing at him, and Buck just punches him in the face. <laughs> uh, and all the kids are happy because they didn't want the clown anyway. Yeah. Uh, before I get to into too many of them, was there some scenes that stood up to you? Like, I'm sure the pancake one was on your list. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, almost any scene <laughs> involving Bug was great. Yeah. Because I uh, I remember watching that um you know when i was younger and just being like oh yeah i'm totally gonna be like that guy (laughs) whenever there's guys uh that are dating the girl and you know he has the hatchet and in in the trunk of his car (laughs) and just like the the funny stories and scenarios that he comes up with when he's talking with bug but i forgot about uh how ruthless uh tia was with Shanice but at the same at the same time so like a a little minor side thing that came up from that was just like how did Shanice know where to go Mm -hmm. um after talking on the phone and yeah there there were a couple I mean you know there's always plot little plot holes and things like that but that that popped right (laughs) into my mind when uh when she just randomly showed up, I, I had forgotten about that from previous viewings. So, yeah, it could have been one of those things where it's like an a scene that may may have been cut out, or, um, or he could have simply told her like what the address was when they were. Well, actually, she hung up on him or whatever yeah. on the phone. So who know, who knows? There could how have been another have. phone call that we didn't see. Yeah, um, yeah. Talking about the bug one, there's some funny lines from Buck in there. Where you know Buck's got this old beat up piece of crap car that backfires like crazy, and Buck's like, "Hey, you ever hear of a turn up, a tune up?" And then, um, then he laughs, and then Buck's like, "You ever hear of a ritual killing? (laughs) 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 Do you want to be one?" (laughs) That that was one of the best parts. Uh, The thing with the hatchet is like, shave off a little bit of a kneecap. He's like, "I can shave the the kneecap off a gnat." So you hear that, bud? Bug? Oh, hey, Nat. Bug. Hmm. Coincidence? <laughs> Coincidence. Yeah, uh, that was great. When Tia goes up missing and she's at finds out that she's at a party, and he goes to like find her, and they're like, "Oh, she's in a where's Bug?" Like, "Oh, he's in the bedroom." And then you know, he knocks on the door, and Bug tells him to go away. And all of a sudden, like this drill bit goes through the lock on the door, <laughs> and like. Uncle Buck standing there with the, the drill in his hand, and he, he almost looks like a slasher villain. It <laughs> mm. slowly like walks into the light, and he finds out like it's not her. Yeah, but I did just, like, re- the look on Bug's face that like he captures, him, puts him in the trunk of his car, <laughs> which would totally fly here in twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, for sure that wouldn't be kidnapping at all. And then also, I thought about it too, where I was just like, man, like how 
weird would that be to think as an adult now with kids on being like, Hey, somebody needs to watch my kids. And they think of their neighbors Uh, for me, for me, at least, because I mean, like my kids, yeah, it's just weird. And then also like not being able to be in touch with them with cell phones. I mean, obviously it's a long time from 1989, but still I was just like, man, that's because I would never put that obligation on anybody who's not family. Also, I mean, I don't know why I wouldn't take my kids anyways, but yeah, especially for like that long. But I mean, like we have neighbors that we trust enough that it was like an emergency and one of our kids need to be like taken to the hospital immediately. And the other one couldn't go. Mm-hmm. That we could drop one of them off at our one neighbor's house for like a couple hours, you know? Yeah. But like for an entire week or whatever, how long he was there mm-hmm. to be like, oh, what are our neighbors doing? That's definitely a product of the 80s there. Yeah. And like for us, it's a little because you live more in a, like a neighborhood area where yeah. we're more outside of town. I couldn't tell you next to anything about my neighbors just because, you know, we don't really see each other yeah um so yeah so it was just kind of odd and interesting to think about the differences um going back to scenes though and everything i mean you can, you can never forget the uh scene with uh john candy and the assistant principal or whatever it was oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah the the bitchy assistant principal who is trying to tell buck that his niece is too much of a dreamer at age five or whatever. Yeah, he, he's like, she's five. <laughs> like, she's always got her head in the clouds trying to reach the unattainable. And it's just like, she's being a kid. That's what she's supposed to be like. And then he goes off on his tangent, or he goes off on his tirade on her, saying all this stuff. And then she's got like this huge mole on her face. <laughs> and at the end, it's so funny because he like flicks her a quarter and he's like, here's a quarter, go to this take a bus to the city and have a rat and all that thing off your face. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> uh, one part that I totally forgot about was the, uh, the kid's bathroom at the school. <laughs> uh, yeah. That makes me think of, um, Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I always remember, uh, Billy Madison, but I totally forgot that they pulled that in, uh, uncle Buck too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because John Candy, not a small man. No. I'm not sure how tall he was, but he had to be at least, like, what, 6'3"? I think so. I'm going to find out here in a second. (laughs) The same thing I'm doing. Uh, He was 6'2". I was pretty close. Oh, yeah. But, um... And also popped up with Chris Farley, who was apparently 5'8". Yeah, I knew he wasn't tall. Uh, I didn't. I thought he was taller than that. But um, yeah, just you know, your typical John Candy, like he's lovable and just a fun-loving guy, and just uh, he's just so likable in this movie. Mm-hmm. And but just rough I, around the edges. Yeah, for sure. Just. You know, doesn't have much direction in life. And, you know, he kind of finds it towards the end of the movie. Like, he changes as well. Um, you, you kind of get the idea that he's willing to make a commitment towards Shanice now, who he's been dating for a long time and kind of leading on. Uh, he's also going to go work for her. She owns a tire company. 
a tiger's store, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's kind of nice to see Macaulay Culkin in something before Home Alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you kind of get the little inkling of the star that he would become after Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Just because there he was just like something special back then. Yeah. Just the way he delivered lines, the way he understood like comedy at such a young age. Because like how old was he in this movie? Mm. I don't know. That's a good question. I got to check his birthday because this movie came out in 1989. He was um, uh, nine years old or eight years old, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no, he just seems like he was, uh, he was probably, my guess, um, you know, mature for his age. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he, cause like you, you, you cross paths with people sometimes or kids sometimes where you just kind of notice that they get things more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he seems like that kid, um, where he just understood it. Like he, he knew how to communicate well and then knew how to take instructions well. And he just, yeah, he nailed it for sure. Yeah. And just how natural he was to it. You don't, you saw it later on in home alone Mm -hmm. that like how much, cause he carries home alone because he's, it's basically just him and then um, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern every once in a while. It's basically just Macaulay Culkin that entire movie. And I feel like that gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. Um, we might have to talk about Home Alone sometime. Um, yeah, we might have to do like a month on like just child actors. Yeah. Or, you know, do Home Alone sometime for like a Christmas theme thing. but. Um. Yeah, I mean the the um little girl that plays Maisie too. I didn't have her name in the credits, and I don't have it in front of me right now. But even she does a decent job. I mean, she's not as good as Macaulay Culkin, but like no kid is as good as Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except if you watch like um uh, The Good Son. I don't know if you've ever seen that. He's in there with um Elijah Wood. Okay. He was like the same age. <laughs> and I mean Elijah Wood was pretty good back th- back in those days too. Uh I mean it's like even now like some of the child actors are pretty brutal at times. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen anything that's really kind of you know felt the same. You know. I'm trying to man, I'm trying to think of any of the child actors though. I'm thinking of trying to think of like some of the child actors from like this era. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Macaulay Culkin was probably the best. Elijah Wood was pretty good. Um, Sean Astin and the Goonies. He did a really good job in that. Uh, the Corys. You know, people like to make fun of like Corey Feldman now and like, you know, some of the movies that Corey Feldman and Corey Haim had later in their careers were pretty bad but as kids they were really good actors yeah they're um edward furlong is another one too 
I kind of think that maybe child actors are a little overlooked now just because you don't have ones that have the same length of success as some of them as you did in the 90s. Yeah, they don't like string a career together anymore. Yeah, because I just did a quick search of the 2000s and 2010s. <laughs> and you've got some, but it, it just seems really spotty. Dakota Fanning. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't overlook how good he was in this. Um, and then, like, the kid's parents, they're hard. They're not really in the movie too much. And the mom, there's just something about her that's just irritating to me. Oh, yeah. Elaine, Elaine Bromka, Cindy. Like, just her face. <laughs> and, well, like, they... that, that late 80s style where she's, you know, she's made up to be, like, a Midwestern mom. And she's just, I don't know, that look is just so incredibly unattractive. <laughs> it's, it's She's almost, like, similar to um, Mrs. Strode. In Halloween 6, hmm. where, you know, I said she looked like the church lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just where you take, like, any feminine femininity and just kind of throw it out the window. She's hmm. got, like, this ugly-looking haircut, and she's just, I don't know, kind of drab-looking and plain. Yeah, no, they... um. It was definitely like that, but they they were also like the worst parents. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I shouldn't say the worst, but they they were really bad. <laughs> they could definitely be worse, but they were just like no interest in their kids. And yeah, neither one of them seemed to know what was going on. Yeah, it's like how are you parenting these kids? So it seemed like most of it was on Tia to be the a parent, kind of. Yeah, pretty much. Like both the parents work. And it sounds like they're both kind of workaholics. Yeah. And I was thinking about it this time. Are Miles and Maisie twins? I was wondering that too. You know, because a lot of times when people have twins, they give them both like similar names, even when they're, um, you know, different genders. Mm-hmm. You know. Miles and Maisie, I mean, those are kind of similar that I would think they probably are twins. I mean, they're so close in age. Yeah, I that's kind of what I was imagining, but I, I'm not sure. I didn't notice for sure if there was a, if they were supposed to be twins or not. Yeah. Well, let's see. You want to get into trivia and facts? Rock. Like we covered acting and all that stuff pretty well. So I got some interesting stuff in this. So this is one scene we didn't talk about, but there's a really awesome scene where Macaulay Culkin and John Candy are like talking oh, back and forth. Yeah. And Macaulay Culkin's like interrogating him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh that scene, it's about um, 30 seconds long when they when they did that John Candy actually wrote out the script dialogue and um, put it on like wore it on top of his head so Macaulay Culkin could read the, the lines quicker and then <sighs> keep the pace of the scene going very fast nice 
yeah that always cracks me up too it's like um he's like do you it's like do you have a job he's like it's a long story he's like how do you make money i do a lot of things he's like are you married that's even longer story (laughs) yeah (laughs) are you my dad's brother yes just like back and forth it's just really funny yeah they did they did a really good job and that was definitely uh a scene worth mentioning yeah and that's very much a john hughes thing too like the quick cuts back and forth like close in on their face um that's just a big staple of like a lot of his movies uh and we'll see that as farther we go on in a month but uh, so one night during filming, John Candy went to a bar um, with a music supervisor, and they spent most of the night there, like meeting different people. The next day, John Hughes heard a caller on the talk radio show. Uh, he was excitedly describing his evening with John Car- John Candy, and it, like it made John Hughes like so upset um, with John Candy, like despite like. John Candy saying that, you know, Uncle Buck was supposed to be like appeared disheveled. Mm-hmm. He's like that Hughes actually canceled all the scenes for the day and told him to go home and get a hold of himself. <laughs> get himself together and get some sleep. He was so angry with them. Gosh. And those two worked a lot together, so it must have really pissed him off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, wait, was this their first movie together? Um, no, because planes, trains, and automobiles is before this. Okay, yeah, I can't, I'm I'm really bad with years when the movies come out, so I wasn't yeah. sure. Um, so nearly every set in this movie was built in a high school gym, including the two story house. Holy crap! Yeah, and that was a John Hughes thing, because when they made Home Alone, they did the same thing. Uh, so, Winona Ryder was the first choice for the role of Tia, after John Hughes saw her in Beetlejuice, but Ryder turned it down because she was busy working on the movie Heathers. Came out in 88. Okay, I don't know that one, so... Oh, uh, you never seen that one? Nope. It's it's kind of like a dark comedy. It's got Christian Slater in it, too. Okay. But, um... So the noise that Buck's car makes when it backfires is actually a gunshot and a firecracker going off. (laughs) So this is crazy. When I went through the trivia and stuff on IMDb, it gave me just like all these actors that were considered for the role of Buck. Like I got a long list here. Okay. Some of them make sense. Other ones I'm like scratching my head over. (laughs) So once it makes sense to me, Danny DeVito, Bill Murray, Jim Belushi, mm-hmm. Tim Allen, Dan Aykroyd, George Went, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Robin Williams, Joe Pesci, John Goodman, Jim Carrey, and Ed O'Neill were all considered. Okay. Ones that stand out to me. John Travolta. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks, I could kind of see though. Um, Chevy Chase. Oh, he could do that. And then Tom Cruise. That what? one I do not get 
at all. Like what? what? Like what were they thinking? Like Tom Cruise in nineteen eighty nine, he would have been like in his early thirties, right? I think so. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Like what did he do around that time? Top Gun. That was weird. Yeah, that would be way weird. I feel like he's. I don't know. I feel like he's too good looking to be Uncle Buck. Where all these other guys are kind of more like average dudes. Oh, Dudley Moore was another one too. Tom Tom Hanks, if Tom Hanks did it, it would have been more of a drama than a comedy in my opinion. Like it would have been like, I mean, Tom Hanks does comedies, but it would have felt more like big Mm -hmm. where the story would be deeper than the comedy. Like it would overshadow the comedy. Yeah. Now Bill Murray would have been interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been way. Uncle Buck would have been way more sarcastic and full I, of himself. I feel like Bill Murray would have been the interaction you got in him with him from What About Bob with uh, the kid in that one. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think John Goodman would have also been interesting. Mm-hmm. I think he, John Goodman was the original choice. Okay. But then they went with John Candy. So another casting what if here. Rick Moranis turned down the role of Bob. Okay. Which Rick Moranis is way better than the guy that played Bob. <laughs> uh, Steve, Ar- Steve Martin was also considered. Which another better choice. Yeah, but it was such a small role. I, it kind of wasn't really important, you know. Yeah, it'd be yeah more of a waste of both of those guys. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I got, this movie had a fifteen million dollar budget, and it made sixty six million dollars. Rock. So yeah, it did pretty good. Yeah, honestly, like if you would put Rick Moranis or Steve Martin in there, I would have felt gypped if I'd seen the movie, like when it came out. Yeah, like oh, they weren't in there long enough. Yeah, I mean, not saying that I wouldn't have enjoyed John Candy too. But just being like, oh, it's these two people. Oh, this is going to be great. And then you only get one of the two actors. Yeah. It would have been disappointing. Did you know they made two TV shows based off this movie? I did not know that. I didn't know they made one. Yeah. Well, one of them was just in 2016. Okay. And they did um, like a racial swap Hmm. where it was um, a black family. I, I that didn't last very long. I can't remember. What was it called? Uncle Buck. Oh, it was just called Uncle Buck. Yeah, and then there was a sitcom in the nineties called Uncle Buck. Um that one lasted one season. Had twenty two episodes and six of them were unaired. <laughs> and then in twenty sixteen it was uh Mike Epps. Yeah, I just Uncle looked Buck. that up. Yeah, that one lasted eight episodes. <laughs> Oh gosh, that must have been bad. I I remember when they announced it. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's... you know what? I'd rather see if they were gonna go with like an all black cast. Why didn't they have like Cedric the Entertainer play Uncle Buck? Yeah, I feel like he could have did a better job. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, you want to get into grades? Do it. Because I got IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think those are? 
Uh, IMDB. You are a DB. <laughs> Let's go with uh, seven point six. It is a seven point oh. Oh. Then Rotten Tomatoes, there is a critic and an audience. Um, the critic. Let's go with uh, seventy-nine percent, sixty-four. Ooh, ouch! Uh, audience, seventy percent, seventy-six. Okay. Um, a, a little distracted here because I was kind of thinking. Um, you know what would have been a fun, um. Uncle Buck, you know, with the uh, the race swap and everything you were talking about, hmm. Sinbad. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, that, I I still love Sinbad movies. I, I, I think do he's too. so funny, and he's like such a charming guy. And I feel like he'd be one of those guys that if you were out somewhere and you just like happen to see him, that he he'd give you some time and like talk to you. I just feel like he'd be like a super nice guy if you saw him somewhere. Yeah, I um I think there was somebody I knew that went to one of his stand-ups and said that he kind of picked on people on the crowd a little bit that uh, they didn't think was awesome, but I mean, outside outside of that, which is I mean, it's a comedy thing, you know, when you go to a comedy thing, you kind of see that sometimes not not that it was like horrible, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's like the only thing but I feel the same way with you too. I haven't heard any stories cuz some uh, actors and celebrities you hear stories about, but I've always kind of felt that way where if you saw me be like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And like all the movies that I saw him in and, you know, TV shows and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's just, he's always entertaining and he's funny. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I feel don't like know why, like his, his career didn't just keep going. Yeah. He had his time in the sun and that was about it. I feel like he could pull off the uncle buck role. Yeah, I think so. It might be kind of close to house guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Sir, this is a black tie affair. It's okay. I'm black and I'm wearing a tie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that uh, first kid, that was one of the first movies I watched when we got Disney Plus. <laughs> nice. It's because I saw it pop up under and I'm like, oh, man, Sinbad. <laughs> Yeah, I could definitely see him playing that role. Mike Epps was a weird choice. Mm. <laughs> I'll say that. I think he's a good actor, but I, just a weird role for him. Uh, yeah, so do you want to give your grade or you want me to give mine? Oh, uh, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I love John Candy, and you know we've talked about that. We both are very fond of John Candy, and anytime I watch his movies, it just makes me sad to think that you know, he died at such an early age and we missed out of like how much bigger of a career he could have had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel the same way with Chris Farley too, who almost kind of like picked up the, the funny fat guy torch from, from John Candy and <laughs> ran with it, you know, maybe cranked it up to 11 because <laughs> he was always so intense. But anytime, either one of those guys is in a movie it made it all that much more watchable you know even like small roles that candy had like in um home alone where he just kind of shows up for about 10 minutes of the movie 
Um, it was always a nice addition. Nice to see him. And I don't, he is one of those celebrities that like, I'm, you know, sad that his career was short and I'm sad that I never got the chance to like meet him because he seemed like he was just like a super nice, genuine guy. Like what, you know, what you see is what you get with John Candy. Yeah. Um, and that comes across big time in this movie too. Like, I feel like this movie might be the closest we got to like seeing the real John Candy in a movie. It's one of like his best roles because I feel like it's just so genuine to who he was. Um, Fun loving, likable guy that's maybe a little bit rough around the edges, but has a big heart. Uh, And on all counts, I mean, that's, from what I heard, that's kind of the way he was. You know, he liked to party and have a good time, but it was all in good fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a movie that I've watched quite a few times, and I'm probably going to watch quite a few more times. So uh, it's definitely a five out of five for me. Rock. Um, yeah, well, for me, uh, definitely a great movie. It, uh, it was surprising at how kind of quickly it moves. I mean, that's kind of what you got uh, with those late 80s and the 90s movies uh because they i don't know movies just seem to kind of drag on a little bit more now Uh, sometimes good usually not always so great uh but yeah just one of the classics with hughes and candy and uh you know it it still could have been a good movie without macaulay culkin um but he definitely uh helped bring it up a notch um so i thoroughly enjoyed it and uh think it's a great movie it's an it's an easy one to pick up and it feels like a holiday movie Mm. um i think that's kind of the tie between john candy and macaulay culkin you know uh with their performances and other movies like home alone and uh planes trains and automobiles like we've talked about um i I'm giving it a good grade. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is that's kind of like holding me back. Um, maybe I'm kind of just thinking of some other John Hughes movies or maybe some other John Candy movies, but I'm giving it a 4.5. Okay, uh, that's fair. Out of five. Because uh, I just feel like there, and and that that edge might be a little bit too nostalgia with uh, some of the other movies that I'm a little bit more connected with. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have to mention too, I, I didn't have it in my trivia because it was just something I heard somewhere. Um, I think I heard it on the movies that made us when they talked about Home Alone. Um, John Hughes wrote up the idea of Home Alone based around Macaulay Culkin after doing this movie. Because he saw the star potential in Macaulay Culkin. Hmm, that's and impressive. knew that he would he was gonna be something special. So he wrote up the whole story of Home Alone like based around the idea that Macaulay Culkin was going to be cast to play Kevin. Interesting. Because he knew that he'd be the only one to be able to carry that role. Yeah. And he was definitely right on that. Yeah. And I mean, that's people say it all the time, but that's some of the genius that John Hughes was (laughs) now. Like he had the ability to see things that other people maybe didn't see as obvious. Yeah. Well, John Hughes, uh, not to get uh too far into it because you know this is a movie review and everything but 
and I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but he just did a really good job of not just like capturing something that was good for like, you know, adult entertainment, but, you know, really spoke to that generation Mm -hmm. at that time and even worked well, like for the whole decade, you know, in, in the nineties. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of it of course was planned. Some of it kind of lucked out with just kind of like how things were during that time. Um, you know, that things didn't change too much too quickly that, uh, some of the things got lost through the years, but yeah, uh, he, he really did a fantastic job with a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. And he had a keen ability to be able to connect with teenagers. Mm-hmm. On, a, on a different level and even things that kind of are evergreen in some, some of the movies, you know, there's some of the stuff that's dated in John Hughes movies that I talked about some of the stuff in 16 candles, especially with long duck dong <laughs> that did not age very well, but just some of the angst and teenage problems and things in his, his other movies are, you know, still relevant today. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be getting farther into his career. I, we might have to add an extra episode where we just do a career highlight too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't plan that, but probably because we plan things so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are pl- booked for our schedule for the next two years. Yeah, but we don't plan things out. <laughs> it's oh, weird. yeah. It's it's a weird thing we got going. but next week we're going to be talking about another classic and that is ferris bueller's day off a movie that has was on tv so many times i lost count oh my gosh yeah (laughs) but yeah it'll be fun to go back and maybe learn some more stuff about that movie but until then as always be kind and rewind